I want to go into something you mentioned a, a few minutes ago, and that is the uh, this idea of COVID and the lockdowns. Uh, it kind of changed and shook up the market a little bit. You mentioned that you were doing listing presentations online. Tell us a little bit about that. Was it successful? Were you able to set up appointments? Were you able to take listings? How would you get keys or pictures? You know, what was happening there with this lockdown listing situation? Um, so it was different because I do feel like it was very successful. We were, uh, I'd say our, our rate of getting them was higher than typical during that time period. So it was successful in that, in that uh, aspect for sure. Um, it was always weaving and bobbing the, you know, what we learned from the way we did it on day one was changing by day two, by day seven looked totally different. It was, it was kind of a, a constant change of figuring out what worked best. As far as um, getting the appointments, I'd say one in 10, maybe, maybe a little more than that kind of kickbacks and no, I don't want to do that. But the majority agreed and we actually, we actually found were, Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent and welcome to Success Calls. This month's top agent is Brenda Wade with Signature Realty Associates in Valrico, Florida. Welcome to the call, Brenda. Hey, glad to be here. Hey, Brenda, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, I see someone else is there with you. Who is that? It's my son, Austin, Austin Wade. He's been um, a listing partner with me for several years now, and so I've come to rely on him for his, his genius, if you will, and um, so I asked him to jump in with us in case you wanted to know some questions that he really primarily handles. Oh, that is fantastic. Yeah, we will definitely do that. How are you doing, Austin? Nice to meet you. Doing well by yourself. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, Brendan, we're going to start off the conversation with you. We want to get some of your story and your some background. So before we talk about what you're all doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. I feel like I've been in real estate since I could toddle. Um, actually my dad was in construction, so I grew up on job sites and, um, I bought a house when I was very young. I was working with uh, Southwestern Bell at that time. I was a sales rep for them. And when we bought our house, my husband said, if they're making money, which it was a great agent, you'll be rich. And I was like, really? You think? And I got my license and, um, it's been good to me. It's been very good to me. So I've done it since I was 22 and um, took a break of about 10 years when um, I had kids at home and just decided I wanted to put all my energy there. And then I came back in a new market, a different market. I was in Texas in the beginning and um, it just came like so easily. I wasn't even intending to sell real estate. I was intending to buy a house. And I started selling all my friends, and it just was like, boom, here I am. <laughs> it just started back up. It's kind of natural. So you, you started there where you said when you were 22, and I think, I'm trying to remember, you went for about seven years in the initial run, and then you had a gap, and then you came back. And so first thing I want to ask you about is that, that gap. So there are a lot of people listening that are in that gap. They, they had their license before, for whatever reason, they stopped uh, doing real estate, and then they're coming back. 
what advice can you give them for coming back into real estate after you've been out of it for almost a decade? Well, and as I said, I, when I left, I was in real estate in Texas. I moved to Georgia for a couple of years and then I moved here to Tampa and, um, I was passionate. I was busy. I was raising children. So I was involved in schools and church and, you know, just sports, all the things you do with your kids when they're young. And so I was making friends. And even though I wasn't working, I was always kind of like, hey, you need to reduce your price. Your house isn't selling. You know, I'm that person that's kind of like controlling the universe. And um, so people already knew me. And then when I jumped back in, I already had a great sphere of influence and a network of friends. And it was people that I was passionate about. You know, it wasn't like I was going to have to go farm this new, I just farmed my friends because they knew that A, I was smart, B, I was hardworking, and C, I would tell you, you know, if you're going to pay me the big bucks, I'm going to give you the answers, right? And um, so the first year I went back into real estate, I didn't even have business cards. I just sold one person a house, sold the next person a house. And all of a sudden at the end of that first year, I'm like, hey, babe, I'm selling houses. I'm working. <laughs> and he was like, what are you going to do about that? And I'm like, I think I'm going to hire an assistant. You know, or either I'm going to quit or I'm going to hire an assistant. Those were my two options. And so I hired an assistant and um, boom, it's just Steady growth. First, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. That year that you got back into the business, do you remember how many transactions you closed that year? I don't remember what the number was. I'm sure I could figure it out, but it was about 11 million in volume. Okay, so and, that's pretty um, good. Pretty good, pretty good. I was, I was happy. I'm sure it was 20 or 30 transactions. I have no idea. I was and, trying um, but to it get was, a scale for people if they're thinking about bringing in an assistant. So you hit about 20, 30, thought it was about the right time to bring in an assistant. Yeah. Oh yeah. My phone was ringing and you know, I was just con it was constant chaos. And anytime I'm adding an assistant or adding a person to my team, it's always been when you feel that, Ooh, I'm chaotic. <laughs> right. Cause an assistant gets you your life back. You know, that helps you to leverage, get them to do the things so that you can manage to have work life balance. And that was really, every time I've added someone, it's been because you could feel the eruption, if you will. When you uh, started back up in Florida, how long had you been in Florida before you started to sell houses? How long did you have to build up your network? Um, probably seven years. Okay, so it wasn't yeah. like you moved in the very next day you started selling houses. You created a network and, and you were right. raising your family and doing a lot of other things uh, before that kicked in. Because some people move to a new area and they got to start from scratch. And I was wondering if you were one of those. No, no. I did move here and was just loving life. I was, you know, enjoying my kids. You know, as we talked about, they were, you know, both very active and, um, you know, just, just doing the things that I enjoyed doing and was loving doing. And I met people. And through that, I had a sphere of influence. And so I was able to just translate that, 
you know, quickly and easily. And the first person I sold was a friend and another friend bought that friend. So, you know, I had two people that knew me and saw that it was exceptional. And those little people spread the word. <laughs> so, like word of mouth. That is fantastic. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about your kids and having them in the business in a minute. But before we do, I want to go through a quick speed round to get everybody up to, to speed with where you are today. Uh, so here's some real fast question and answers. The first question is, what's the name of your team if somebody wants to look you up? Brenda Wade team. The Brenda Wade team. And what's your service area? It's Tampa. You know, uh, we're the top agent in Hillsborough County. So we have, when I first went into the business, I, uh, back into the business, I focused on a very small area because I had to run carpool. And um, so I have been very dominant in Brandon, Valrico, and Lithia. And um, as I've added buyer's agents to my team, my circle just expanded. And um, we can cover anything in the Tampa market very comfortably, Hillsboro. We do some in... Um, Pinellas, Summon Pole, Pasco, but our primary market is Hillsboro. I think that's really valuable. I hope everybody picked up on that. You started in a very small niche or small market. You got your feet wet, you got yourself established, and then you expanded out from there. Uh, how many years have you been licensed now? Have you added it up? Um, I've been licensed almost 20 here, and um, I was there, what, seven or eight. So between 25 and 30. Fantastic. Uh, how many homes did you sell last year? And what was the sales volume? Oops, someone just sent that to you. <laughs> Let how me tell you I what I've got. Last year, Austin? <laughs> um, 319, Between three and 350 somewhere. And the sales volume was 113 million. There Fantastic. And my notes here show me uh, 309 with 113 million. Sound about right? Yep. Yeah. Somewhere in that yep. area. Cool. And then uh, I also got your average price. I backed that out at about three sixty-eight, three hundred sixty-eight thousand. Does that sound about right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's pretty close. Like this year, it's probably running a little better. It's running a lot better this year. Uh, and um, it just you know depends on what's going on in the universe that year. But we're usually in that three fifty four hundred range. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And then uh, percentage of buyers to sellers, I've got 61% buyers and 39% sellers. Sound correct? No. No. That might no. be backwards. That's probably that backwards. backwards. Okay. So you, you lean a little heavier towards the sell side then, maybe 60% sellers and 40% buyers. Sound more correct? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, we're definitely more, this year we're running more 50-50, I would say. It's closer. What happened last year, I... Uh, went through the purge process, if you will, and I lost a couple of agents, which happens from time to time. And um, while I had people lined up that would want to join us, we decided, uh, we're gonna just sit tight. That's why you saw our numbers drop last year. Um, we said, let's just sit tight, let's regroup, and then you know, do some things we felt like we needed to do internally, housekeeping, and um, then we'll add more, we'll, we'll add agents in the fall when the life slows down. Cause this happened in the early spring where we, you know, had some things change. So we, last year we really had effectively four buyer's agents, which was great. And we had been in a period where we had had about six. So um, we saw some volume change last year 
from it. And we knew early on that that was going to be the case. And we just made a um, strategic decision that that was the right move because it's always, I'm very particular about who I want to work with and um, had been to a couple conferences and just made a decision. We could do some things better on our buyer's agent side and wanted to wait till we could put those key systems in place. place. Yeah. Very good. Thank you for uh, sharing that, Joe. So everybody else gets on uh, board with us because I have a little bit of information. Uh, my understanding is the prior year you were about uh, 408 homes sold and 143 million. That's what you're talking about, that you were there and it went down a little bit and you were in some transition. You, you uh, had a few agents that left for whatever the reason was, which happens to all people who are building teams. Yeah. And in that process, though, you decide to reevaluate and look at your systems and improve them. I assume maybe profitability went up. What else was going on in that transition? Because again, you're not the only one that runs into this. What kind of things were happening there? What did you discover? What did you change? Well, we have always worked from abundance. You know, when I brought on the first buyer's agent, I my path to success was I hired an assistant, went to 17 million, hired uh, the next year had to hire another assistant, went to 27 million. Then the next year got to three assistants, 37 million. 37 million crazy woman. And so said, how do I do this? So you go and try to figure it out. That's a process, you know, as you get to each little plateau, you have to come back and re-figure it out of what you're gonna do. So I added a buyer's agent. You know, and in the beginning, it was like I was trying to hold on to a few buyers and, you know, and then really realize that's not going to work. To keep quality buyers agents, you're going to have to give them the buyers and you continue your bread and butter. So I did that. With that season of life, the market switched, right? Where I could get listings, they'd throw me the keys out the window because it was when the market was changing, right? So I could get more listings. So, um, average price was falling, um, needed to keep these buyers agents with buyers cause there weren't buyers at that point. And, you know, just figuring out how to balance and juggle all that growth. And, um, as we've made each transition, you know, there is, you hit a plateau where you have to rework what you're doing. And so I've brought them on at that point and, then I got to where we were back to about 65 million, I think. And I brought Austin, you know, I called him and said, I need, I need to hire this position as a listing person because I'm overwhelmed again. And can I get you to come to work for me? And I think it probably was about a six month period. It was six months. You know, we, we negotiated kind of what it would look like. He would come in and, you know, try to figure all that out. And he made the transition over. And then I think it took us three years from there to get over a hundred million. Yeah, that's right. And, um, you know, we busted a hundred million, but we, you know, each part, there's a strategic thing that you do that you go through a little chaos and then you, you go up and, um, so we can kind of measure, measure those plateaus where we get to and you have to rework and figure out what you've done right and wrong. And then you can go, you know, to the next level. And that's what we're doing right now, I think. 
That is fantastic. That's great advice for people to know they're going to run into these barriers, these blockades, and that's okay because that just shows that they, they need to make a little bit of a change and modification so they can get to that next level. And you've mentioned you've done that multiple times in your career. One of the things I want to point out to people is that you said you basically hit about 37 million by yourself running all the buyers and sellers around and had three uh, admin assistants. And I assume that's about 100 closings. That's pretty impressive. I like how you brought in admin assistance first before you brought in buyer agents. Right. I was at 87 transactions that year. And um, um, yeah, it worked, you know, because I couldn't, I mean, I just gradually could see, I would get to chaotic moments where we'd go, okay, we need another person because we're all a little crazy. And then we would add that person and actually, I had just, it was in, um, taken Austin to college and um, was on my way back and called, you know, someone I had sold who had their license working for a builder and said, okay, I'm nuts. My phone's ringing off the wall. There's no quality of life here. You know, I'm trying to enjoy this last moments with um, my son. He's going away to college. and. I, it's not working. The chaos is too loud. And um, so, you know, started working on it from that standpoint and then got her to join us in the next year and the following years, we figured it out. Of, you know, how do you do it? And she's still a buyer's agent with me today. She's a great agent and um, has been very accommodating as we figure out things, you know, every time we hit the um, the lid of what we can do. I can always go to her and go, okay, I'm a little crazy. What do we need to do? And she's a great sounding board and has been a great, great friend to go through the process with. The excitement of business. Austin, I want to talk about how you were pulled into the business. You came, did you come in initially as a listing partner or did you have other experience doing other things in real estate first? No, so I, I got my license um, while in college, uh, I guess in 07. And so I came into the business a little bit um, kind of between college, into college and, and starting my actual career and, and worked in the office some then. Um, at that point, it was 2009, so foreclosures were a, a slight thing in the real estate world. So that handled foreclosures a good bit, did a lot with that, kind of learned. Um, had someone jump out of a closet at him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so I had to experience that and learn kind of this little bit in that direction and went off and, and like I said, started my career doing something totally different. And like most real estate kids, um, for the kids of real estate agents, I said, I'm never doing this. I don't want a part of this crazy world. I'm not ever going to be a real estate agent. I was, I was sure of that. And I went and actually and was um, doing law enforcement for a number of years and got married and realized this isn't the, this isn't the lifestyle I want for my, my family. It isn't, it's not going to provide the life I want. And so that's, I just told my wife that and several days later when, when mom called and said, Hey, I got to hire someone. I always said it was going to be family, but if it's not you, I'm hiring someone else. And I said, okay, let me come over and look at it. And like she said, I came over for about six months and the good thing about law enforcement is I worked about half days of the week. So the other half I'd come in and, and work those days and, and uh, experience it. And so I kind of came in really as an intern, really more than anything else. Um, followed Brenda around a bit, worked every position in the office, learning, um, how the office side ran, kind of just really getting a, a pretty broad uh, view of the business the way people don't usually get, aren't able to coming into to real estate. 
and um, just learned the business inside and out and then kind of went out and became a listing partner at that point. His first year, he went everywhere I went. He shadowed me. So I would say he probably went on 200 listing appointments, probably with Around me. That. And then right at the end of his first year, my dad got very ill and he lived, you know, hours away. And um, so that forced it because all of a sudden I needed to be with my dad. And um, Austin was just there and it wasn't like I was ready to give it to him, but it was like I had no choice. I needed to do what I was doing. And he would send me texts and say, four listings today, you need to retire. I got this, you know, <laughs> and, and it was helpful when I just had so much stress in my life from dad and 15, he started listing. That was the end of 14. And we had a banner here and I had so much chaos in my personal life because of my, my father and, um, you know, wanting to give him the care that I, he deserved. And Austin just rose like, you know, from the ashes, if you will, he was amazing. And we had a banner year. It was crazy good. And I couldn't have done it had he not been prepared and ready to rally when the opportunity came. Austin, do you remember how many homes you listed that first full year? Well, the first full year, it wasn't much. Like she said, I was really falling around the first year in it. Um, I don't remember actually. You don't remember? No. Because he I was would, he was doing mine for me. It wasn't it like was, they were Austin's. They were mom's. It was, was real mixed in that first year where I'd have some I'd go on and, and take it and run to the end. Other ones I'd go on that when she came back in town, they were past clients of hers. So she'd kind of take them back. Others she would go on then she'd leave. <laughs> and and I was kind of running with them at that point. So, so it was We weren't totally real split weird like we are now. It was, it was a lot of mixed in. Yeah, let's get. We didn't. Some, we didn't count it like we do today. At that point. Well, let's do that then. Let's come up to uh, either last year or year before, where you had your feet wet, Austin, and you were cruising along. You're a full, active listing partner. Uh, how many properties can you list in a month or in a year? We're just trying to get people scale. I did 93 last year. Um, 93, and you focused exclusively on the listing side. I'll do, yeah, I'll do two to four buyers a year that are using very close personal friends along those lines. Um, but yeah, 100% listings pretty much, just dabble. That is fantastic. Uh, I really like how you did the shadow program for the six months where you were getting to watch uh, a pro list 200 times if that was the number. That's insane. Nobody would get such a great grounding in listings. I'm sure you came out of the gate firing. So it, it, <laughs> uh, I, I have no doubt that you got the skills that you needed and you were so lucky to have that mentorship. Uh, and obviously it's paying off. 93 uh, listings in one year. That's phenomenal. It was um, a unique opportunity. It was. And it was something that um, I was very fortunate to have. And it, it really did. I mean, I came out knowing not everything, of course, you still learn a lot every year, but having a very firm grasp of what's going on, not having to kind of feel it out as I go, the way a lot of agents are, you know, are forced to do. He had my scripts. He had sat in office while we negotiated. I mean, he had stayed with me pretty much and gone on all my appraisals with me. And, you know, I would say probably in his life, his career here, he's probably been on close to a thousand listing appointments and to be in your early thirties and go on that many appointments is, um, pretty, but it just, it's pretty phenomenal. 
And so he's very highly experienced when I go on, we go to all of our appraisals on our listings and he early on started pulling those comps. And, you know, as far as understanding appraisals, understanding that process and being able to walk through, he's a dynamo at that. He's very, um, he's very good with the written word. And so when our agents have, you know, issues with appraisals, they know, go find Austin. He's going to, he'll, help you protest it really well. He really understands it. He's just got a very high level of knowledge for his age. And it's because, you know, he had that benefit of really hanging with experience. Yeah, so that's I'm excited. A, that's a hundred thousand dollar education. That's incredible. <laughs> oh, it was. And, you know, and, and it makes me comfortable. I never worry when I do need to be gone or whatever. I know he's got it. He's very well hands-on can can control it and now we have um his brother-in-law which is my son-in-law he's been with us for about the last year and we're putting him through the same paces um because we know that that worked extremely well and was a great benefit for our clients i got a question for you on that when um when austin went with you to the listing presentation in those initial 200 or whatever the number was where uh, did he just sit there and not say anything and just absorb it? How did you introduce him to the sellers? How would somebody actually go through the process of bringing your, your, uh, the mentor mentoree into this listing presentation? And in, in the beginning, he was totally quiet. It was gradual. Yeah. So it started off with just really was high on Austin. And that was the last thing I said. And you know, it was, you know, other than making a personal connection or something there, you know, we had in common, there really wasn't anything said. And it gradually, you know, got to where I knew the, the, the marketing presentation very well. As we got closer, you know, it's gone more. I really um, had a good idea on, on value to kind of be more involved in that discussion. And it's been the same way bringing DeMarco has followed me more than he has her, um, who is my brother-in-law. And it's been the same thing, you know, it started off with him saying nothing. Then, you know, at this point he got to couple me with it. He, I kind of sit back and let him roll. And, um, and know. he's off on a listing appointment right now. So yeah. he's, it's been almost a year and, you know, it was like, okay, go. And so it kind of works that way. And in the beginning, and it'd be funny, we'd go to a listing appointment and I go, I'm going to be quiet. You do this one. And it never happens. <laughs> Brenda going to be quiet. So she'd walk in, I'll let you do it. Like, oh, I love your house. Oh. You know, and she's just all doing her thing, running. Couldn't home. help so, it. Yeah. That didn't work out as well, but it was a, it was a gradual and it was just kind of the more comfortable I got, the more I jump in and kind of take over. Well, I want to get down to the, this, this very nitty gritty specific, the script. Uh, Brenda, when you introduced uh, Austin, what did you say? Austin, when you introduced DeMarco in the very beginning, what did you say to the seller to put the seller at ease that this was not something strange or odd, but this was the way it was going to be. What was the script that you used to make that introduction? Well, and you have to understand that I have very much a sphere business. I'm, you know, I follow and every year at Christmas, I send letters to all of my past clients and they, it's very, uh, like they're my people. Right. And when the first year I did it and sent, I have a gift that I give every year at Christmas. First year when I did it, I only sent to 60 and now I send to 3000. So it details my life. This letter is kind of like, here's my family. And, you know, if when it's a sad year, my dad passed or the year he was sitting, you know, I was saying, I was telling him, hey, you know, this is what's going on in my life. 
so they all know Austin, whether they've ever met him or not. They know Austin is my son. And um, so a lot of people would already know he was, you know, with me. It was my son, da, da, da. And the others, as we'd go in, I would say, hey, this is my son, Austin. He's new to the business and, you know, whatever. And um, so I just would all, and everybody was like fine with it. And then as we got further into it, I don't even know if we really address it every time. Yeah, so I'd say, um it's been an ever-evolving script as he's become more and more involved. First would be, this is Mark, my brother-in-law. He's just joining the business, coming along and, and kind of check out and see how everything goes. Because I didn't expect him to talk. I didn't expect him to pick up the customer and run with him afterwards. There was no needing to build him up per se. It was just really, he was going to watch you know, and learn. And people usually get it. People, sometimes people, before I ever say anything, say, oh, is he in training? They're expecting me, somewhere else is there, would know. And other times, and so then, um, as it got to where he was talking more, you know, and speaking more, like, hey, this is DeMarco. We're the listing team. We work together on this. And because um, I knew he was going to be able to jump in and, and talk about marketing or talk about whatever it was. And um, so I, I did just kind of introduce us more as uh, partners. And like she says, sometimes just, it feels so organic. You just kind of walk in, but introduce yourself and go. There's not really an explanation needed. Yeah. And if they know, I mean, if it's a family friend, again, we work, have worked in a small area, you know, they would say, is this Allie's husband? I say with you Facebook know? now, everybody kind of knows sometimes, oh, this is, oh, this is your, your, your sister's husband, right? And they kind of, they, so, they know it, they see us. Because you're out there, you're personal, you know, it's family. So it's, it's worked. It works kind of, like you said, very organically. We just get, we get to it however we get to it. That's fantastic. I did that long ago, 20 years ago. I brought in an assistant and did the mentor idea, but not for 200 listings, maybe 10 or 20. And, uh, and you're right. You start at the beginning with no conversation. They just sit and observe and then they start to take over. But you've had a great transition. Austin with DeMarco, how many listings has he gone on with you so far? And where do you think he is in the process? You said he's independent now. He's taking one right now. How long did it take to get him up to that level? Um. So yeah, he's he is taking uh, his own now. I think fifty with me, another fifty probably with me. He's yeah. probably done a hundred. He's probably between the two of us, probably somewhere between eighty, hundred and ten. And he comes from a sales background. He's you know a little older. He's in his thirties already, and um, has been in a sales career. So the marketing, you know, all of that was very familiar to him, and. Um, of course, when COVID came, that kind of was like, well, there we go. So we've all been doing virtual listings and we would be, and it was so weird doing that in the beginning that we all would do it at the same time. Like, hey, let's all sit in on this. We had everybody on a different computer while we were making sure we were ready to cover it because we, that was just so foreign in the beginning. Now we're like, why do we ever go on this? <laughs> and um, so yeah, I would say he's probably done, he's probably done between 100 and 150 between the two of us. And he's pretty much ready to launch. Would you agree? Yeah. And uh, so he's, he's going to get it. And for him, the struggle was different than for me. Um, for me, like I said, I didn't come from a sales background. It was really more scripts, just that, that comfort going out there and saying, I'm going to take care of your biggest transaction for you. Um, for him, he, so I, and I um, grew up here, you know, moved here when I was six, know our market. And um, already knew it very well. I'd followed around to open houses and stuff in high school. Like the the market, I knew not knew it to the level, the level. needed, but I, I had a familiarity with it. He moved here from another market, 
So for him, it's been more learning the area than it has been the actual sales skills. It's been more learning value and neighborhoods and all that. It's been kind of a different learning curve for the two of us. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search Real GTV. That's R E A L G dot TV. Now, back to the show. If you were going to go out and hire someone from the outside that was not a family member to become a listing partner, what uh, qualities would you be looking for in that person? Um, I would be looking for loyalty because your listings are your life. And, um, you know, that's why I always said to me, listings are family. And, um, you know, as that, that's always been very important to me, but it's gotta be someone that's relational, that's smart, that can explain it. You have to have a a high level of knowledge going in. And and my whole team is very smart. I will tell you, knowledge is huge to me um, because that's where we add our value. Anybody can open a door, right? But, you know, to really be able to add value. I was just at an appraisal this morning and the appraiser said to me, I said, if you need anything, call me. He goes, I'll call you when I need to get a higher than normal price for anything because you're my girl. And I'm like, I love that. I called Austin immediately. Do you want to know what? Da, 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 da. And, um, you know, and it was funny because the appraisal before I went to two this morning, the one before said, where's Austin? How's he doing? I mean, it's, they're so, you know, we've been around for so long. These people are invested in our lives. Your kids doing okay. They did okay through COVID. Tell Austin, I said, hi, you know, because he's always gone with me. And in the beginning, all of these appraisers and folks that, um, when he started shadowing me, they knew I was training him. These appraisers would take their time and really invest in you and train you. And I, I'll say, I've always said, that's one of the um, best things I did was going to appraisals and, and talking to them, not talking at them, but talking to them, picking their brains. They'll teach you all they know. The older guys, especially, have been doing it a long time. They know a lot and, and they've got, they'll be happy to share it. And so I learned so much about value and what drives value and uh, learned a lot from them as well but they did and i'd sit there and go to an appraisal which you know you know only takes 15 minutes i'd be there an hour and 15 minutes just talking through it all and um and gaining knowledge from them because they haven't they've done they've seen it all and um yeah i've learned a lot from them and so and that's where going back to what would be important you know hiring a listing agent it, it is being analytical and being able to approach value from multiple directions because we all know we can get just because you can get a buyer to pay something doesn't mean you actually can afford it and get it appraised. You look at it from what will a buyer pay for this property? What will it appraise for? Where can we blend those two? And be able to really come at it and figure out where to get the highest price, what you have to do in that those situations. And and what is the right price? Because you know, some agents go in and strictly they think dollar per square foot is where it's at, and that's not. And they're looking at it, you know, there hasn't been anything sold, so they don't know how to price. And um so you've got to be very learning based and, you know, smart, smart is where it's at. So, um, you know, that's, that's one of the strengths that we have is that we are very, very savvy. Austin's 
brilliant little mind. He won't say that, but I can. And, um, you know, it makes such a huge difference. And when we're fighting for our customers, trying to understand, because it really is a fiduciary responsibility. We are really trying to take care of, if I'm working for a buyer, I'm trying to help them buy well and invest wisely. I want to help them build wealth through real estate. If I'm a seller, I don't want to leave any money behind. You know, I want to make sure we've done everything we can to help them on their road to wealth, you know, as they're at the cash register cashing out. And, um, you know, we really are about the customer. We, I, I think, and I've communicated that well in my life for my kids. They understand. And, you know, it's hard for me to believe that it, it's been seven, eight years since I've had Austin, you know, working with me and um, all the people that he's impacted now. And um, I'm excited about that. And, but it's, it's very important that they have those very specific skills. Be smart, be knowledgeable, be loyal, um, be passionate about it. It's more than a job. We work hard. We work, we work day and night, I would say, to make sure we're available, you know, helping them get through this process and they know it and they return the favor, you know, tenfold. I want to go into something you mentioned a, a few minutes ago, and that is the, uh, this idea of COVID and the lockdowns, uh, it kind of changed and shook up the market a little bit. You mentioned that you were doing listing presentations online. Tell us a little bit about that. Was it successful? Were you able to set up appointments? Were you able to take listings? How would you get keys or pictures? You know, what was happening there with this lockdown listing situation? Um, so it was different because I do feel like it was very successful. We were, uh, I'd say our, our rate of getting them was higher than typical during that time period. So it was successful in that, in that, uh, aspect for sure. Um, it was always weaving and bobbing the, you know, what we learned from the way we did it on day one was changing by day two, by day seven looked totally different. It was, it was kind of a, a constant change of figuring out what worked best. As far as, um, getting the appointments, I'd say one in 10 maybe, maybe a little more than that, kind of kickbacks and no, I don't want to do that. But the majority agreed. And we actually, we actually found were people who were less lucky to agree the ones who were most at risk and the, the elderly population, they were just not comfortable from a technology standpoint. But those are the ones you really didn't want to have contact with. You're trying to protect the most. But um, yes, yeah, so we, we started doing it probably earlier than most because we were, you know, we do some elderly population. We realized that if we were to get sick ourselves, we could infect a large number of people we were really trying to avoid that um, and so we, we started pretty early most people agreed it wasn't really a problem setting the appointments um, and we were working on what tools they have so most people are really comfortable with their iPhone you know you're thinking zoom everything like that and we really let them take the lead if they really wanted to do it with their iPhone we were really good with that and um, we docusign all our paperwork anyway we're we're very we're a paperless office um, by, by nature. And so, you know, we could sit there and send them paperwork and, and have what they needed to go right there. So if they wanted to work on their iPhone, we did it on their iPhone. If they want to zoom, we'll zoom. Um, we really would go with whatever was their comfort, whatever was their comfort level. And most of our, again, we were known in our little territory and, um, so we didn't have to go through the marketing presentation so much on there. They were calling us because they, they knew, and then we could, you know, discuss it and whatever we needed to do as we had the conversation, we were prepared to do, we could send it to them 
online. We could walk through it with them. Um, we really let the customer take the lead. Would you agree? Yeah, I'd say we, we like I said, there were some houses we actually would go out because we had someone who was not comfortable with technology as much. We'd go back and walk through it without them, you know, have them open the door and step out and just walk through real quick and then call them on, you know, once we get back in the car. We, we, we like I said, we even Bob do whatever they were comfortable with. And um, as far as getting keys and all that, again, we really just, you know, we'd have some that just drop it off at our office. Others that would, we'd come out and do photos, we'd just open the door for us, then step out when our photographer got there. Um, kind of just did it however they were comfortable and just uh, there wasn't as much of a strict um, system in place for that as there is for most things. It was just kind of learning as we go and doing what, what, what the buyer or and, seller will do. And we have a listing manager and we wanted her to feel safe. So we kind of let her help with what her protocol would be with calling the customer. We would say, if you don't want them there, tell them don't be there. You know, that they have to leave. You want to be in the home alone. And this was in the very early days when it was very scary. And we would just say, no, you know, you get to, you get to be comfortable because it's your, your help. And, um, and everybody really worked so well together. You know, everybody during that time period understood and felt like it was important. And, you know, even today, I mean, the first appraiser I went to said, you know, my wife's got an autoimmune. I'm still doing masks. And, and I'm like, you got it. Stay away. Let's, let's not get even close. I don't need to. And um, so respecting the boundaries of the people you're working with. You mentioned when you initially brought this up that once you got in the flow of it, it was pretty neat. You were, you were putting together things quicker. You weren't, didn't have to actually travel to the property. Would you continue to do these virtual listing presentations as you move forward? Will you continue to do that? Or will you try to go back to in-home listing presentations? I think the thing that was missing the most was for a totally average home, it worked perfectly. When homes were a little bit more unique, had a little bit more to offers and the, the, feel of the home where you realize you walk in and realize this feels really great. We can get great money here. Let's go higher than price. You miss those little details. You know, they were harder to get. That was what was missing the most. Um, I think we, we will do virtual. We, and we've done some limited before. We had someone who's out of town or something like that. Um, but I think we would do more virtual at this point when it works out better for the seller. When they say, you know, my work schedule, it's really hard to get home before eight. Let's do it virtual late. I'm not coming to your house when it's dark, once it's dark. Let's do virtual, you know, We'll, we'll do it more when the, the situation arises. Um, but I do think it's important to, to walk through the house as a buyer would and see it to their eyes. It helps give a, you can give better um, staging advice and, and give better advice in general when you can be there. So I think that was the biggest thing that was missing was just picking up the small details that you, you don't notice that you know, the nails sticking out of the ceiling when you're doing it virtually. And I, I love the people part of the business, being able to see them build those relationships. Um, you know, having them know, hey, this is me. I've got your back. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be there, and I'm a trusted advisor. And you know, I'm able to communicate that. And when either one of us go in, you know, they know that we get their house. You know, and so I think that's helpful. So, will we continue? Have, no, I'm not continuing it at this point because most <laughs> of them want me. And I'm happy to go, but you know, if it's a necessary, I would do it. If it's far away, you know, it's not a convenient appointment. Um, yeah, I would do it that way. Um, just depends. It'll be in my toolbox. I might not do it all the time, but yeah. it's definitely in my toolbox. I'd say we've always done a few of them that way. When you had somebody, like I said, who was already gone back home, 
you know, or was leaving town that day and had to get that, you know, that very day, we'll do one over the phone. And now we're better able to handle those unique situations. We can do them. And we're in a military market where we have a lot of overseas buyers. So we've always done some, you know, um, sales that way. We've sold quite a number of houses, whether they were our customers or another agents with our 3D marketing um, through the years. So we're, we're pretty equipped to handle it, whatever the customer's needs would be. Yeah. I want to uh, stay on this topic or move back to this topic of the, the team and your children joining the team. But before I talk about the children, I want to give people a big picture of the team. So Brenda, could you run us down real quick what the structure of the team is? So what we're looking for is titles, uh, the positions, what are people responsible for, how many people in that position. So people can just get a quick overview of what the team is. Well, we have the two listing partners, which are me and Austin, and we're adding the third, which is DeMarco. So he's been kind of like our um, intern this year and helping us refine some areas. Then we have we have six buyers agents, and we're just bringing on another one. So today, and four of those are long-term buyers agents, and three have been added in the short term. Um, one's first day is actually just happened this, this weekend was her first day. And um, then I have an office manager. I have a listing partner. I have a director of first impressions, which assists the listing partner. Listing manager. List, listing manager, excuse me. He's right. She manages all my listings. And then I have a closing um, partner, a manager. And then I have a negotiator. And, um, and then I have a part-time runner and I have a marketing person and then we're working on a property management division where I have somebody that's just coming on now to get that started. So kind of recapping, there's the office manager, then there's two in the closing department, one in the half in the listing department and the other half, that person is also our, our receptionist, um, our, and, um, and then a runner kind of who's in the office. And then we have this seven buyers agents that are just now, but really we had four last year for a full year. And Brenda, you're still in production, correct? Absolutely. I'm still in production no. and killing it by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, how many uh, people in the business are related to you, Brenda? Um, well, the, all the listing team, me, Austin, and DeMarco. And then my marketing person is my daughter. And then the property management person coming on is Austin's wife. So that little team is all us. And then the rest are not. But um, we find our best people through people that we know. My, my most recent hire for a buyer's agent is a longtime friend. And she's going to be killer. Um, the first buyer's agent I ever had was a friend. Another buyer's agent is a longtime friend. Um, so it's a lot of uh, friends that are in the team. And like my office manager is a customer. Let's say it's a lot of its sphere. That was a past customer. Um, our our um, closing person was somebody who she knew because she'd worked with another, another agent previously and known had a, a long relationship with from working with their um, it's big, it's not been as much hiring off of, you know, Indeed. There have been some, but there have been some. not as much on Indeed. It's more sphere hiring. My receptionist was a friend of my daughter. 
um, my. Uh, and it's not like nepotism where we're saying, oh, you're a friend of ours, you can come join a team. It's more looking for talent in places where you see it every day and then um, people we trust. Because like I said, it is very much a take care of the customer business. So if we know you and trust you, we know you'll take care of the customer. That's one of my, I think one of my gifts is that I, I'm very intuitive. Like our closing manager, she was our um, waitress at Outback. And I was like, she was a great waitress and her pins were very organized and color coded. And so she had just graduated from college, was looking for a job. And so we just started asking and she's amazing, young, you know, techie. Um, she's been with us probably about five years now. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm intuitive on that. And so the people, our team rocks. It's very high level, great people. And, um, do a good job at that. And, and actually, as I'm thinking about it, our listing manager, Allie was a friend of Allie's from high school too. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> but, and that was kind of more like the Outback story though. They walked into a retail, a local boutique and she was with my sister and she worked at the boutique and she was excellent. She was wonderful. And then obviously Allie knew her and you know, Brenda said to her, you know, who is she? Was she smart? Was she a good kid? She said, yeah, she's great. And so it went back into it and said, you want to, job knew so, her from the honors program in high school you know and so i was like was she deal oh yeah she's so detail oriented you know and you can process, just tell by talking to them the vetting process is a lot easier when you know these people from your sphere you know their background as you were just mentioning so that's that's really cool and brendan when we first brought up how do you pick a, a listing partner you mentioned the word loyalty as number one uh and it's easier to know who's going to be loyal when you know their background well and that makes character. a lot of sense that that's how you're selecting your people if you know who somebody is at their core, their core character, you can teach them what they need to know if they have the work ethic, you know, and they've got um, the character that you're looking for, because that's really what we're hiring to is those, the talent, you know, will come if they have those core values that we represent. And our, our core team is phenomenal. Our buyer's agents are phenomenal. I mean, I have no problem and I'm very, very specific. I want to know if you're selling one of my kids, would I be okay with that? And, um, I don't, I'm very hard on the vetting process. I could have 30 people work for me and it's hard because sometimes I'll be somewhere and they go, I interviewed for your team. And I'm like, I'm sorry. You know, I, I have to have that gut sense that it's going to work. And um, the, the biggest thing is taking care of the customers and making sure that they're, like she said, somebody she would hand her kids off to. I remember we had somebody, it was somebody we really liked, someone we still like, um, but they just didn't get the process of making sure it was a good house. And um, I remember we were driving around, we deliver toffee at Christmas time. We're driving around and we would pull up to a house. She goes, do you know who sold this to them? And I guessed the person's name. said, what's the problem in this house? And I point out the glaring reason why it would be very difficult to sell in the future. Yeah, and, and it led to some tough conversations, and that person um, doesn't work for us anymore, and it's not because we didn't like them, it's not because they weren't a good person, or really, they sold houses that they didn't take care of the customer. They, didn't, they could not uh, take care of them what we wanted them to, and that was the most important thing. They, they led to some bad purchases. I'm an investment advisor. I want you, you know, and I'm, I really tell them, if it's a bad house, if you're a buyer's agent, 
I want you to put it in writing it's a bad house because I want them to know in the future when I'm walking in the door to sell it because I'm going to tell them what the problem is. I want to know you told them before they bought it. And um, it's, it's just really important to me that we buy well because if you buy well, I'm going to sell well. And I, you know, I want that because I know that, you know, I know the difference. If Austin called me today and said, I'm looking at this house, you know, I'm looking at very analytically going, that's going to be tough to sell down the road. Da, 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 da. And he goes, but Brittany really likes it. You know, I'm like, I don't care if Brittany really likes it. It's still going to be tough to sell. And, you know, because I do that, my buyer's agents going in the door will tell them, this is going to be tough because da, 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 because they know I want them to know. And you know what? It builds loyalty from my buyer's side because my buyers know I'm not just trying to sell you. I'm trying to help you invest and um, make a good decision. Find a place that you love and can call home, but will also be an investment tool to get you to the, the long term. That's a great concept. Thank you for sharing that. I, I want to go back because you guys are unique here uh, and I have both of you. I want to talk about uh, mom working with son, son working mm. with mom, because there are people that are trying to put these relationships together or, or they're wondering whether they should. So my question to you is, and one at a time, we'll start with you, Brenda. Uh, how, how did you set it up so that this thing would work? How did you set it up so you could work with your son without ruining your relationship with your son? Or how did you set it up so it would work? Um, well, Austin is a great kid. I will start with that. And, and he, of my two, he was the easiest to do that with. But we also, you know, I had enough examples from my prior life, I will say, that I could see some where red flags would be. And I'll always tell him when I'm overstepping my bounds, tell me, you know, and, and especially he was a young married guy. And, um, you know, the queen of his castle is not me. It's someone else. And I needed him to know he had always had permission to tell me you're out of bounds, get in your lane. And so he is good about that. And I'm sure that there's been lots of difficult moments from his perspective, but I think he knows, um, that we always have the best of intentions and um, he has a great relationship with both of us, him, me and his dad. And um, he's just got that easy temperament to be able to say, that's not okay. Step back. All right. So, Austin, it's now your turn. Tell us. I, I think the biggest ticket for me was I, like I said, I'd gone off and done, had another career. That was a career where I worked for um, a number of, of bosses in a short period of time. I mean, I really had about probably three bosses a year for, during that time period. So I, I'd worked for a lot of people and had some really tough people, some really easy people and, and in between. So when I was, I was able to come in and, and say, okay, I've worked for a boss. I know what it's like to work for somebody. I, um, you know, and so I could, when she would tell, you know, I was just being told, it wasn't like it was my mom telling me to clean up my room. It was my boss telling me I needed to do better at this or, and I was able to separate the two when she would say, you know, that shirt you're wearing isn't professional. Wear something different tomorrow. I wasn't my mom telling me my clothes weren't okay. There's a boss saying, you can do better. You need to put your best foot forward. Let's work on your appearance to help you put your best foot forward. I was able to make the separation there um, pretty easily from the get-go. And that really um, 
helped. And there, there are times when she's something, I'll look at her like, are you kidding me? Like we're working, she's going to say it to me. But for the most part, it will separate it and realize this is Brenda the boss speaking, not Brenda the mom I've known forever. Um, so that was the key. And then like she said, just she did give me permission. And, and I did take advantage of that permission to say, yeah, we're not going there. Um, you know, that that's something totally different. That's what we're going to discuss here at work. And uh, able to keep it. I mean, don't get me wrong. We are work lives and personal lives are interwoven. We'll talk about all sorts of things at work, but it's I can separate the two. And then, um, and for my younger sister, it was harder. And she did come not straight out of college, but pretty close straight out of college. Had never really had that as long of a work history. And she did struggle in those early days of storming out mad because mom had got on to her about something. Not the boss had told her, given her feedback and what she needed to improve on but mom had gotten on to her the way she would have stormed out when she was a college student you know because mom wasn't giving her the way she wanted it was it was harder for her to to make that transition i do think going off and doing uh having my own career and like i said having to realize that i can't yell at my boss that's not gonna be okay um having to learn that on my own helped it make that transition a lot easier and having the other one come in and, and the, my daughter and he are very close. So he was able to say to her, you're wrong. You know, this is where it's got to go. And it just took some time for her to mature and grow into it. And now it, that works really great. It's always, anytime you have family relationships, it's going to be Harry. He's the perfect, he's the perfect family relationship because he can, he's not that you know, female emotional going that way, if you will. And um, he, you know, we, we really set boundaries, I think pretty well in the beginning. And, and I don't get my feelings hurt when he goes too far. I'm like, okay, got it. Got it. Think about that. I'll come back tomorrow with it a different way. Have so, you all done the disc personality profile? Do you know what you are? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are you? I am a, we're, we're both high D's. We're both very high D's. Um, I mine says I'm a DS, um, which is I would say true. I would say closer to a DC, but um, they say I'm a DS. I'm a D with an I, but I'm I'm mostly D. And um, he's uh, I mean, and it's worked so very very well. How about and, and our, oh. She's I I I I I I I I I I. <laughs> A little D mixed in. Yeah, she's an eye. She's, <laughs> she's an definitely eye. an eye. Oh, she's an good. eye. And her, and her dad, who has a lot of the back end side of this, my husband's retired director of operations for Coca-Cola, and um, he's very much a DC. So we are full of Ds in this house, and we don't kill each other, which is surprising. And um, it's worked. Smart. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thank you for walking us through that. What I heard with working with your child from you is uh, open communication that came up right at the beginning. You're able to talk back and forth and straighten things out. Uh, you said, talked about staying in your lane. So you've obviously made it clear who's doing what. Uh, the roles are very clear. Um, and then a good uh, expectation. So uh, thank you so much for walking us through that and helping some people thinking about setting that up. Um, I want to, we're going to start wrapping up here and I have a couple quick questions for you there, Brenda. We've heard about your business and all these people running around hiring and so forth. And a question people have is, are you profitable? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, the guy that I told you, the back inside, Mr. DC, 
we're profitable. <laughs> He's going to make sure <laughs> to help people out. Could you give us percentages that you're trying, not absolute dollars, but percentages of net profit that you're either trying to achieve or do achieve? Um, yeah, yeah. We want to get at least with a team, we want to get at least 40% net profit. That's and, pretty high um, with the size of your team. Yeah, we want to, that, that's a goal and we, we achieve it. And, um, Again, just like I said, I'm kind of intuitive. I spend intuitively. And then um, Ronnie will say, if you were to ask him, he'll say, you know, what's our goal as far as a budget? We look at last year's and look at, you know, did we, we're targeting that. And if we're going to deviate from that, we're going to have to see that there's a clear profitability, a road that we're going on, that this is going to take us to a new profitability level. So, um, you know, we, we definitely have started smart, you know, and when I hired in the beginning, when I told you I brought in um, three list uh, assistants, that's a very profitable way to operate. So we've always started with profitability and we've never, we don't go backwards. And so when you set yourself up in the beginning that you are making money, you know, and you stick with that as your focus, it, it'll, it'll work. But you also have to take great care of the customer because that will make you more profitable. Brenda, in the beginning, uh, not in the beginning, but when you were at that high peak level of personal production with the three assistants, do you recall what your net profit margin percentage was at that time? I don't. I don't think you'd have known at that time. No, because really, you know, I just was going off instinct and, you know, what I felt like I needed to do. And um, that wasn't my worry. I've always made very good money. I mean, that first year with nobody, you know, I was making great money. And, um, and so I've always lived in abundance. Everything that I've done is because I'm making plenty and I've always been comfortable financially because I had this other guy that I lived with that worked. And, um, so I was never focused on the money. I was focused on the job, taking great care of the customer and doing it right. And somehow those two things just have been interwoven and I've been had a good percentage of profitability all the way along. And in the beginning, when I read The Millionaire Real Estate Agent, it was much past after I had done what I had done. I was thinking, well, look at there. He did it my way. It, it, it is funny. You would think the way our business is set up, you really would have thought that we based off The Millionaire Real Estate Agent. And like I said, she read it well into the business, and um, but we line up very, pretty similar to that. There's some differences. Yeah, we're pretty similar to that. Yeah, okay. the Red Book, um, and the Red Book was based off of top performing agents, right? They they took they went out and surveyed them, found out what they were doing, and people like you, what were you doing in the field? And then they took that information and and created uh, codified it, right? Um, let me ask this though, Brenda, what drives you? It's an internal something, you know, I'm just wired for it. And um, I, I love helping people ask Austin, we'll go on a listing appointment and I don't even, I tell him, you don't need to sell. This is not, this is not the right mood for you. You need to, I mean, I'm all about the customer and what is right. I'll, we go to listing appointments and you know, 20 minutes in, all of a sudden we're discussing college scholarships, SATs, you know, getting the kid out of the house, getting the kid back into the house, you know, planning their lives. 
more so than we're talking about and sell their house. And we will. We'll go, we've gone to we want we had a prior customer first called her and said, I want to buy this house. The house was one point one. Yeah. It's a very high price point for our area. I want to buy this house. So we went, so she it was a like a past customer. She showed up to show it to one should no one do. Show them the house, went back to their house and she told them what to do to list it. It's gonna be a very high price point also. She said, You don't need to move. You don't stay put, get your kids through high school. And then you can downsize. You don't need to make this move. This doesn't make any sense for you. I mean, Two million in production right there, gone. Um, that she wiped off the board. The lady was ready to sell and buy. But because she knew, you're making a mistake. You're going to regret this in two years. Let's get through the next two years, and then we'll sell you and take it to the next place. And she listened. Um, that's what she does. That's what she's always done. That's what she's driven to do. And, um, I mean, she's driven by the money, but she's more so driven by the helping people. I'm a fixer. She's I want to help everybody do right and it's, do good. It's a really annoying trait in a mother, but it's a pretty good trait in a, uh, in a real estate mentor. And so I really do. I really care about the people and I want to, you know, I, I am driven by money. I'm a competitor. I mean, in fifth grade, I sold the most flower seeds and you know, I'm just driven for it. Austin's wife has the same compulsions, I think. And, um, you know, I've driven for that, that, go for the gusto win the prize and that's why I always said I could never really be part-time because if I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it really well um, but I am really driven by taking care of people doing the right thing very good uh, as you mentioned the, the fixer and earlier you mentioned that you're the uh, investment advisor and that's your approach and, and it was a great example given by Austin of how you uh, advise someone to turn down a transaction or not make a move uh, because it did not appear to you to be in their best interest. Great example. Uh, and Austin, I've got you right here. What is driving you? It's um, some of the same. I do, like, like I said, I came from a law enforcement background and I went that route because I wanted to make a difference in people's worlds and their lives. And um, so when I came into this, I realized you, if you can, that person selling their first house, you know, to $10,000, that's a big difference in their world. Um, and so it is helping people, but it's also, um, you know, a big part of what drives me is, is setting up my own family in the way that I want, but also all the lives of people in our office that we touch, the people we our employees, our agents, you know, keeping that growing. So their world can keep growing. Um, those are some of the big things that drive me. Very good. Brenda, if you were going to advise a brand new agent, just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? Um, I would tell them to get their finances in order so that they could make the right decision for the customer. You know, I always think that that's um, what made the difference. I've had, you know, single moms that have worked. I, I owned a Remax office when I was in Texas and I would have single moms that worked for me. And when things would start going south, they were struggling with eating. So they couldn't always see the problem for what it was because it was compounding. They, they couldn't feed their children if this transaction didn't close. And so, you know, that, that need parlayed into making bad decisions for their customer and their customer could read it. You know what I mean? And so you need to get yourself in a right position so that you can take care of your customer and, advise them well because that good advice will spread and you know with these young women that would be struggling they would lose that sale and they'd lose the customer because the intensity of it they could read it 
you know, once it got to that level, that it was no longer about them. You were working on the deal, not on the customer. And so, you know, get yourself in a position that you can always do the right thing for the customer and then learn, be a learning based agent and learn, 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 because knowledge is why we get paid the big bucks. You know, I'll tell you if you're, doesn't matter if you're 120,000 or 200 million, you're paying me what you're paying me because you think I add value. I have knowledge. And so be learning, be able to put the customer first and be remarkable so that they will want to tell others, you know, what makes you special and different and then work on doing that. I have to ask one more question. I can't, can't stop myself because I've got this unique situation here with the way you've structured things and built your team and brought your children in with you. Do you have a succession plan or do you have an idea in your mind of somehow turning this over down the line? Have you thought working about on it. talked about that? We're, we're working on it. We're working, you know, in that direction. And I always say to people, I just went, you know, my appraiser this morning said, are you ever going to retire? I go, I'm going to retire and stay at home and wonder what my kids are doing, or I can go to work and know what my kids are doing. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm giving him more power. I'm giving them all more power to, you know, help make decisions. And I would say any major decision that comes up at this point, I'm always in consultation with you to say, what do you think? Should we go this way or that way? And, um, so giving more, you know, direction to them and knowing, you know, and I tell them if something happened, I got sick tomorrow or their dad got sick or whatever, you've got to be ready to take it at that moment. And I think comfortably they could without question. And, um, you know, just knowing that when that morning wakes up where I don't want to go to work anymore. I won't go because right now I honestly can say, I think it would function. It would just keep going. I mean, it's, it, the wheels are there. The, the bus is in motion. My team respects him and knows that he's knowledgeable at this point in the beginning. When he came on, you're thinking, Oh gosh, what if, you know, something tragic happened? Could he keep the wheels on? And, and I would say it took a, you know, good, it took several years to where they would, you know, say, but now they would just as easily call him. If I have an issue, they're going to call him and say, you know, what's going on? I've got this problem. What do you think we should do? Because he's earned that. He didn't come in and go, well, you know, my mom, da, da, da. He had very servant leadership, humble implementer, you know, no jobs below him. He would, you know, if anybody needs help, he's always there and um, he's earned it. So we just feel like, you know, it'll, we'll know when we know. And I think, you know, they all know that our heart is to see them live big lives and take it from where we are now to something much bigger and that, you know, every decision we make is about making it so that everyone lives in abundance. And, um, and I think they know that's our heart. And so, you know, we just know that if we just keep, you know, we're all running together and one of one day I'm just not on the pack anymore. It'll be okay. Cause it'll just keep going. You agree? Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. Thank you. Thank you for walking us through that. Well, I've come to the end of our, my questions for today. It's been a lot of fun. Um, Brenda, do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? 
No, you're a great interviewer. One of the best I've ever sat with, actually, because you hear what I'm saying and you say what it really means. <laughs> so I think you've done a great job of asking questions. Anything you would add, Austin? No, I don't think so. I think if I was going to leave you something, she, she's gotten that throughout the whole time. But the biggest thing um, in her success and our continued success is really just take care of the customer. They'll take care of you. You've got to you know, structure your business, but you also take care of the customer. You see a lot of people who have the whole business plan set up, but they aren't doing a great job for people and it never, never takes off. I will add one thing to that is while you're doing it, you have to be living your life. And as much as I told you I work all the time, I have a really nice life. I've brought my kids in, which makes it fun. If they weren't with me at this point, I might have left it. But there's a lot of people that get in this business and they run hard for five years and then their wheels fall off, right? And um, because they're not figuring out. And that's why I told you when I get to that level of chaos that I'm not comfortable, I'm hiring a person because I would rather be less profitable. I mean, still profitable, but you know, <laughs> um, less profitable in a, in a great life than to be super profitable and my hair's on fire. So I try to avoid the hair on fire. Very good. Well, this has been so much fun. I really appreciate both of you coming in, Brenda and Austin. Uh, what, a, what a pleasure to talk with you today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Very pleasant to talk to you as well. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much. Well, that's it for Success Calls. Thanks for joining us today. Keep moving forward. Bye. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's FreeLeadTime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.